December 9th, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. An angel was sent to God's servant John, so that John could share the revelation with God's other servants. John faithfully reported the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything he saw. God blesses the one who reads this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to it and obey what it says. For the time is near when these things will happen. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold Spirit before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the commander of all the rulers of the world. All praise to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. He has made us His kingdom and His priests who serve before God His Father. Give to Him everlasting glory. He rules forever and ever. Amen. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the earth will weep because of Him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I am John, your brother. In Jesus we are partners in suffering, and in the kingdom and in patient endurance. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and speaking about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard a loud voice behind me a voice that sounded like a trumpet blast. It said, Write down what you see, and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were bright like flames of fire. His feet were as bright as bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth and his face was as bright as the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one who died. Look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen later. This is the meaning of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. 
The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Hello, and welcome to Transformation Radio. Today I'm your host, Wes Thompson. Happy uh, for you to listen in, and hopefully you're encouraged today. So welcome. again, I want to welcome you to Transformation Radio. We're doing something a little different. Um, We're going to take some time to share some stories with you, to give you some updates, to communicate what's going on at the refuge. And as we were chatting, we thought that a good place to start would be to tell our story, to tell the story of the refuge, to talk about uh, where we've been, uh, where we feel like we're at now, and where we're going. Um, There's a lot going on. There's a lot of exciting things. And we thought um, a good place would be to start would be for me to interview my dad, Tom Thompson, who over a little over 20, 21 years ago started um, this ministry. And for some of you, um, because of COVID, you may not have been able to have met my dad, or maybe we haven't even met. And you're wondering, what is this place? And kind of how did we get here? How did, you know, where, where are we headed and, and what's going on? And if that's how you're feeling, I understand um, for many reasons. I, I feel like I've felt that way many times along the way. And so I want to encourage you. And so um, this conversation in particular is going to happen in five parts. And so um, we're going to share part one with you uh, here in a minute. And I just want to give you, uh, I want to encourage you. I hope, I hope you're well. I hope you're healthy. Just know that, um, the staff here at the refuge cares so much about you. We, we pray for you and we want to see all of you succeed and excel in, in what God's going to be leading you to do while with your time here, but also when you leave. And so again, I want to encourage you. There's going to be, um, several conversations that we're going to be working on that we want to share with you through this format. But again, I want to start by telling our story. And so this is part one of the Refuge story. Hope you enjoy. I thought it'd be cool to start just, uh, you know, being in the middle of COVID, it's been hard to, to travel and interact a ton with people. And so you know, being able to tell the refuge story, being able to talk about um, just vision cast about where we've been and kind of where we are, where we're headed um, has been difficult. So I thought this could be a cool time to even just reflect a little bit, retell the story to ourselves. But I think, you know, when I think about the refuge, I just think back to, uh, you know, even your story of like what, what was happening in your life that kind of led up to the beginning of starting the refuge. Cause we're looking now at what 20 plus years, 20 plus years ago. So, you know, we're in 2020 now, the end of 2020. When, when was the first time that the refuge was on your radar? 1989. Okay. That was a little bit more than 20 years ago. That was the beginning of knowing something was coming. And then that's where the Luke 418 scripture came into play. And what's that? Uh, the spirit of the Lord's upon me, anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free. It was a place of healing, a place of 
experiencing God's love through Christ in a way that that was his, that was Jesus's personal ministry as he came out of the wilderness and unrolled Isaiah chapter, you know, chapter 61. And he read it before the people in the synagogue. That was the entry point of him on the earth to do uh, his ministry for the three and a half years coming out of the wilderness. But I, I literally read that. I even called, you know, Mark personal friend and shared it and just knew that there was something in that. And I didn't understand it, but I thought, am I called to a church? Am I called to, I didn't know what the, you know, what, what that would lead to, but I knew that was an important aspect of what would be happening. And so then from there, towards the the NAS, et cetera, and all that. So So like what was happening at the time, like in 89, like why, why was this even a thing that was coming up? 89, you know, was, was coming out of my brokenness, coming through Alcoholics Anonymous and my own personal journey. And then kind of the bridge between AA and the rooms and accountability to the local church. That's where that, that shift went. And that's where scriptures, I started to really dive into the word of God and started to read. And that's where, that's where that really started to, to take root in me. Um, as far as my belief, my faith in the scriptures and, and now what's this church thing all about? That was my first kind of deep dive into that as you guys were all kids and, as a family. So we started experimenting with different churches and, and then that led, uh, led me to really go deeper in, in regards to taking my AA experience of the rooms, which really is just coming down to closed groups and sharing and a sponsor spending time with me, investing in me, which terminology wise, biblically is discipleship kind of led me into bringing that into the church and then promise keepers started. So all this was formation for what refuge would would experience because I experienced it and I didn't know what else to do besides what I knew and what I experienced. So I just carried on my own journey in multiplying that with others, which just happens to me Jesus's journey, which is the 12 and being in an authentic community and living together out truth and, and loving one another, living together. And that's where I was at promise keepers and small groups that was happening at our house once a week and men were coming and many groups were diversely kind of birthing off off of that. But it was real life relational connection for the first time in my life. And, and those guys, of course, you know, many of them still today, we're still with that same group. And that was early nineties. Then that forged into small group ministry I was with Steve there as the small group leader of the church for the men. And then I handed that off to Ron and went and started the refuge with that kind of a formation, um, an understanding of what that was doing in my life was, was friendships, how to, how to have friends, how to connect relationally, how to, how to walk out the word in a community together and not from a religious standpoint, but just from how to do life. And the fruit of that was awesome. So. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're able to, to process some of your story and you're, you're doing that through, you know, relationships with others, relationships with people through the church. How does all of that over the course of 11 years, 89 to 2000, how does that culminate into you 
you know, making the, you know, taking the plunge to ultimately start the refuge. Yeah, that was the experience with Promise Keepers. A couple of guys. What's Promise Keepers? Was the large events based on a football coach out in Colorado that had a calling to do major stadium events with Christian men in order to take them deeper in their relational walk with their wives, with children. And they had um, different promises and they met in the large stadiums and then they birthed out into uh, community churches to have small groups to continue to take those same principles and live it out together in local communities. So we would go to these big events, man, they were full stadium packed. And what a sight to see a bunch of believers that are, you know, believing the same way you are worshiping together. And you're talking a hundred thousand people. I mean, it was just incredible. The, just the feeling of belonging and the feeling of bigger than your own picture, your own view, your own self, even your own church to see the whole kingdom come together was just, just an amazing feeling to be a part of something huge, um, which really made you feel a sense of pride. You know, it's like, man, we are, you know, we're, we're a hundred thousand strong here today. It just felt great yeah, to, to be in one accord. So how did that experience like turn into moving, quitting your job? Well, it started with a small group that we went to one of those events. Uh, one of the guys, Scott Gary, which is still around us today, invited a couple of guys that were struggling into our little band of brothers there. We're going north to Detroit. And as we were traveling up there, these are guys nobody else knows but in our, in our little holy huddle there. So as we were going north, these guys were like, you know, a little bit giddy. Like, you know, they're looking for hope. And Franklin Graham opened the night, Friday night. These two guys went forward, found literally a relationship and, and, and really were drawn to, to surrender and give their life to Christ that very first night. And then, you know, they last a couple of days and then you're on your way back and we're like, man, now what? And as uh, we kept meeting together, we kept seeing how the distraction of the world and all the entanglement of all your relationships. And these guys were struggling with court cases and addiction and broken relationships. And eventually they fell away from our small group and we couldn't find them and locate. And, and from there, that's whenever that led me to really start pondering, why did we even do this? Why do we even have outreach? Why do, why do you go talk to certain people and take them up here? What a waste of time. And I was really just pondering the whole understanding of what is a community and what are we doing and frustrated to be honest with you. Cause I just, it was, it was in my mind, this is such a failure. Like what, why did we put all this time into these guys and resources? And, and uh, on 270, I was just having that thought and that communication with God. And I felt like I was just kind of bantering back and forth in my mind. And that's whenever he dropped into me, literally a, a place he wanted for these men to be, drawn away from all those triggers, all that, that chaos that he could then have a place for them to find a tribe, to find a, a place of peace, a place of rest, a place away from all the chaos. And that's whenever he showed me a farm. And I was like, and then the sequence of events led me to the actual specific location. I knew it was away from busyness and chaos and all that, which lent itself to you know, the farm, of course, wasn't like an actual farm. It was a 
it was it was just the display of being out and peaceful and away from things. Um, and so just that journey went into me just kind of traveling around, listening to people around me, sharing that uh, vision of what I saw. And I was very concerned about it because I didn't want to move. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what. So I tried to get around and see other places like this. So I was doing a lot of research and searching and praying and asking. And I went to visit one in Illinois. Um, and I wanted that to be it so I wouldn't have to do it. So I thought, man, this is great. I could just, I could just buy a, you know, at that time we had a, I had a pretty good income. You were in private school and I was like, this would be great. I'll just buy a van. I can send people to that place and I don't have to do it. And it didn't work out that way with the person, the pastor out there was very much confirming that, no, that's not what this is. Uh, He was saying I'm to do it. Your mom then came to really, I thought she would be my way out. And she, she was in prayer and had a lot of peace and confirmation that, yeah, there's, this is real. And, so it was almost like pulling me. I wasn't pushing. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is going to be a big change. I hope you enjoyed part one of the story of the refuge. Part two will be posted tomorrow. And so until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk soon.